Hello and welcome back to the United Fan Podcast with me, your host, Ross Jess. This is part two of episode two with Duncan Carmichael. I hope you enjoy. Got a few more questions to get through from Gordy again. What's your biggest frustration about the modern game? Um, biggest, fr- sorry, biggest frustration I've got about the modern game is that it's getting, getting too sanitised. Um, because um, nowadays, you mentioned earlier about um, Peter Price, you know, about um, the physicality and taking hard tackles. But um, the biggest frustration I've got in the modern game is that um, it, players go down far too easily. And moreover, that um, the slightest of touches and they go down. And what makes it even worse is that people will argue, even television pundits who have paid a whole load of money to dispense their opinions, will say, well, if there's contact, you're entitled to go down. You're not entitled to go down unless there is um, sufficient um, contact. I fear that um, with the modern game, at times it's in danger. You're watching games and you're thinking, this is heading to become a non-contact sport. Um, And talking about the game becoming too sanitised is a fear I've got. um, um, I feel too that uh, there could be, there could come a time when football could get sanitised to the degree that um, criticising a referee at match could become a hate crime. Yeah, that, that would be... A... Uh, which um, could um, happen. Now, I'm not saying that people should... Uh, I, I don't mean this um, as an agenda that people, um, you know, excusing people going and shouting abuse referees who are human and trying to do the best job that they could possibly do. But, um, it's you know, in, in football, <laughs> moaning about referees um, is... Um, it's um, something that, that happens. Football has um, rough edges. And that's what I fear that in the modern game, that some of the rough edges are going to be knocked off football and it's just going to be too sanitised. Well, you saw that Jordan Jones dive. and uh, Yes. yes. That, that was shocking. That yes. Was, and yes. Kelly won that game because of that. And, and, so, and, and, and if pro- we're talking pro- things like that, they never would have been top pro- of the league for two days. Pro- pro- <laughs> but probably from where the referee was um, standing, you know, it looked for all the world um, like, like like a penalty kick. Now, referees um, have got a difficult job and they get conned, but there are situations where the referee is looking um, right at it. Um, players um, c- come together and um, one player goes down. It, I found it quite frustrating in the recent home match against Morton in particular, the, the game just getting broken up, so, you know, tackled, player down. It's almost like if a player is tackled, they're going to um, sit on the ground and assert the right to a free kick and get it, and I find it very, 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 very um, frustrating. Now, um, if I was refereeing and players were going down, um, I would just be waving play on, in fact, I'd even jump over them, and just, you know, unless a player was genuinely hurt. And it just somehow don't like just breaks up the whole game. Well, they are doing it. Um, <laughs> it's I, I've seen it happen. Yes, yeah. I, I've seen it happen, and um, you think you know we were lucky to get away with that. But see, when it's air, um, I, 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 I don't mind admitting to a bit of um, hypocrisy in football because unlike United's um, hard men, you know, um, that was about um, Adam Thompson and um, Stan Quinn, um, Sani McInnesby, really, really um, hard players. And when they were doing crunching tackles, the fans thought it was great that crunching tackles from um, opposition players then, um, you know, if it was somebody like um, John Gregg or um, Harold Davis or, or, or some, somebody like that, you know, you, you, would, you would view it differently. So um, I don't mind admitting to a certain amount of hypocrisy. Was Sandy McInnesby a really hard player? Was he? Um, Sandy McInnesby was, uh, was a hard player. Um, it, it's, um, again, you know, that, that was at a time when um, uh, Sandy McInnesby and... Um, 
and, and Stan Quinn as well, who was um, small built and it was just these um, crunching tackles. But um, one thing about, um, I remember talking to, to Jackie Ferguson, they said that in the United training, he said Stan Quinn would, would go steaming in with heavy tackles, uh, uh, you know, uh, as if it was um, uh, on a match day. And sometimes, you know, if, if players, new players at a club for the first time, they think, what is going on? And, you know, they just want to know, this is, this, th th this is what he does. And um, players like Sani McInespe as well had quite an intimidating um, presence. And I think you could uh, unnerve opposing players just by the mere presence and, and his reputation. I've, I've met him and I thought he was so lovely. He was so nice to me. Yes, <laughs> yes. Nice yeah. guy. That's why I find it quite surprising. Because I no, obviously never saw him play. It, it's but. like, um, to, to, to a certain degree as well, um, Alec Ingram, uh, totally hard, hard as nails we go through, a brick wall in the United cause. And I've seen um, goalkeepers and um, uh, uh, central defenders laid out where he's going in, you know, supposedly 50-50 challenges. He walks out unscathed and play, play, player laid out. Total, total, um, hard, hard, hard player, and um, you know to talk to him, complete and utter gentleman, politeness itself, well dressed, and uh, but uh, on the pitch, you know, just this. Um, but uh, again, you know that uh, I think in the modern game that you maybe wouldn't quite get away with it. But back then it was understood that there was that sort of um, give and take, and and it was a man's game, and and there was um, hard tackling. Um, but uh, I think sometimes it may have been a, a better spectacle for that, w w within reason. But um, that's one of my biggest frustrations with the modern game, constant stoppages. See, one that Ayr got away with that I thought was... Uh, I thought it was a sending-off when it happened, but when I looked back at it, it wasn't. It was Jamie Adams and Stephen Bell. Yes. When he played for yes. Shinrar. When it <laughs> happened... I thought I was like, oh, he's smacked him in the face. Yes. Uh, when I looked at the back, that, I don't think that's what happened. Well, <laughs> it's, what I thought was that Sean McDowell, with Jamie Adams and Stephen Bell, because I remember that particular incident um, quite clearly, and um, and um, Stephen Bell was just one of two Sean players sent off in, in, in that particular game. And I always wondered that when, when <laughs> Stephen Bell came to air, how he got on with Jamie yeah. Adams, because he was furious with Jamie Adams. In, in that particular match, you know, uh, I, I think he would take the view well. He's on my side now, one of the good guys. But um, you're talking about a very, very um, contentious and, and explosive situation between those two players, <laughs> and then within, you know, within the season, of teammates. It, Andy Gagan said something similar about Craig Moore, or was it Craig Moore said something similar about Andy Gagan when they signed? Yeah, <laughs> they were like saying, that, "Yeah, I've had a few kind of bust ups on the pitch." Yes, so. Um, it's off swept under the rug when they're on your team, I think. Yeah. Um, it would it. have been interesting to see that conversation, though. The, 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 you know, the, there's the old story about, um, you know, I don't know if it's an urban myth, but the story goes that um, Manchester United Leeds game where um, Billy Bremner went steaming into um, Dennis Law, um, a, a, a really hard tackle, as Billy Bremner was um, liable to do. And um, Dennis Law had said to him, Billy, oh, I'm supposed to be. I'm, I'm supposed to be one of your mates, and Scotland teammate, and he said, "Yeah, but um, my teammates today are the guys in the white shirts." So, and and, and it's right enough, you know, because you got to do your utmost for the team you're playing for, which I kind of get. Um, but uh, it, it did cross my mind, you know, that um, and I think Stephen Will has been immense, but it crossed my mind the first thing. <laughs> Jamie Adams was there, you know. I, I, I remember. I, I, 
kind of like to think they're the best of mates. I remember him um, signing, and I'm like, is that another guy that gets sent off? Yeah, it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Then I double checked, I was like, that was him. Yeah. Was. yeah. He's, uh, Jim, uh, Stephen Bell's a great player as well. So is Jamie. Jamie Adams is, but I know they call him the big fan, but he's a big guy. Yes. I didn't realise how big he was until uh, we were in Harley's after he won the league. Yes. And I gave him a hug and he was <laughs> massive. It was quite interesting too that um, they winning the league and you know, the, the crux of the official celebrations were, were in Harley's because the building next door was the building where United got founded in 1910. Um, it? it was um, um, United founded, it was um, May, May the 9th, 1910, was the, um, there had been a whole series of meetings uh, concerning the, the amalgamation between Aaron and meetings and counter meetings and so on. And the final one was the meeting of the RFC shareholders and um, if they were agreeable to the um, to the amalgamation going ahead, then that's going to be United Forms Monday night, Nile Court, May the 9th, 1910, and it was the, the, the Masonic Hall, um, which is um, next door to, to, to Harley's. Um, so that's very I, interesting. I, I thought that was um, quite fitting. Uh, a, a neat quirk of history. Yeah. yeah. Were, you that, were you at Harley's? Uh, I didn't go to Harley's, no. and uh, that night, then, my goodness me, um, honestly, I. <laughs> <laughs> um, my favourite night out is a night in, um, e- even then, and um, because I recall that when um, when when the final whistle, um, not not when the final whistle blew, when it was known that we'd won the league, um, I actually felt I thought it had been jumping about like mad. I actually felt drained. I felt as if I could have it dropped. Um, I felt as if I'd been playing in the game for ninety minutes. I felt physically, emotionally and mentally drained. To look at my face at that time in the United won the league, you probably thought we had, uh, that Wraith Rovers had won the league, just felt totally and emotionally drained, but completely satisfied inside, wholly satisfied. And my, my brother and I just walked onto the park and it was just such a feeling of satisfaction. I actually found myself kind of laughing at myself, almost kind of semi-hysterically. <laughs> the sheer contentment of it. One of my favourite memories in life now is seeing that helicopter I, I, I just keep picturing it and picturing yes. it, it it was so fantastic it was so f- amazing the way it happened when, when, when the helicopter came over um, there was an appeal for the fans to leave the field and that um, order was obeyed impeccably because I think people thought that the helicopter was going to land in the field so did I it so did I thought it was going to land in the, the centre circle <laughs> and then when the helicopter went over and then of course it makes sense to land in the race course because there was a helipad there and this thing, but uh, I actually hoped that it, that it would mm-hmm. land on the field but uh, yeah. a helicopter I, again, but that's unique in the United's history, a helicopter bringing the trophy, that is unique in the club's history. Uh, yeah, well, that's, that's never happened before. It's happened with other clubs, but it's never happened with United. Um, just um, so, so um, satisfying. And um, when, oh, it's, uh, you know, um, you, you found out, for the, not for the closing weeks of the season, pretty well the, the whole season, uh, you have to check up on the, on the Wraith Rover score. The people it was say, non-stop. It was people say, well, why, you know, that um, people say, I would rather watch the, 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 the game in front of me rather than concern myself about uh, what other clubs are doing. But but you couldn't help it, you know, checking it. And I actually found myself, even into this season, checking the Wraith Rover score. Thing. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've been doing the same. Doing this? You know, it's Saturday, when Troy's Wraith Rover checked the score, I think, why on earth am I doing this? You know, it's it, weird. It's it like is weird because almost as if um, Wraith Rovers losing to Lightsman Troy's is helping us. Yeah, it is ingrained. It was ingrained in that season. I feel like I'm doing a similar thing with Ross County right now. <laughs> mm. 
yes. Don't have to at the weekend. We'll get on to talking about the weekend. Uh, right. I want to get through more questions. Have you got time? Absolutely, yes. Right, yeah. Of course I do. Yeah, talk about United as long as you like. Yeah. <laughs> Believe me. James Logan was saying that Shanklin's getting a lot of the applause for the go- his goal-scoring abilities, but our defence has been equally impressive. Do you know what Ayr's most successful defensive season was? Um, Clean sheets and least goals conceded. I actually do, yeah, I actually do. Um, the, the, the record um, for clean sheets is um, season 68-69. Uh, um, just talking about the league, sometimes these stats prefer to talk about the league because when you go back to the pioneering years of the club, you know, there's um, Aaron Kamarnock Charity Cups and Scottish Qualifying Cup and Ayrshire Consolation Cup and so on, which can, can uh, kind of cloud it. But um, in season 68-69, United got um, 18 clean sheets out of 36 matches in the league. The goalkeeper for every one of them was, was David Stewart. Um, so that was like a, a one and two um, ratio and didn't even win the league, runners up to Motherwell, albeit we finished with the same points total that had won the club the league in 1966, just three years earlier. Nonetheless, two up promotion anyway, which is fine. Um, but um, the one and two ratio in season 1912-13, um, um, United um, got 13 clean sheets, but because they only played 26 games, the ratio was uh, was one and two as well. But in terms of actual um, clean sheets in the league, it was 68, 69 with, with 18. But in terms of um, the best in terms um, of the least goals conceded um, was also that season 1912-13 where um, the club only conceded uh, 19 league goals in the season. But again, you've got to temper it by uh, saying that there were, just, there were only 26 games. But um, Nonetheless, you know, that, that is where the record lies. Least conceded, 1912-13. Season with the biggest number of shutouts. <coughs> Again, <coughs> talking about league fair here, season 68-69. We have currently the second best defensive record in the league. I think we've conceded one or two more goals than County right now. Well, see, um, um, Ross Duhan, that, um, the, the club record for consecutive clean sheets um, <coughs> is um, eight um, from Spigger White again that season 1912-13 we're talking about when, when that happened and um, Davis Stewart was second with, with, with six um, <clears throat> after we beat um, Dundee 3-0 at Dens this season that put Ross Duhan on seven <clears throat> which <clears throat> meant that um, it was the second best in terms of, conse- uh, of consecutive shutouts and one shot of Spigger White's record from <clears throat> 1912-13 <clears throat>. now the sequence got broken when we beat the Fern 4-1 who cares if they beat the Fern 4 1? Okay, it'd be nice. I remember the one going in, to, though. To, to, <laughs> have, to have gotten that record, that, yeah. you know, it, it would have been nice. But you're now in a situation where um, you think about past glories, but uh, Ross Duhan um, holds, is the um, second best record for consecutive shutouts, one behind this club record set in 1912 13. And Ross, Ross Duhan is a phenomenal player as well because you think that um, he's not just a good shot stopper, he's Handling is excellent, his crosses, he can throw a ball over the halfway line and pick out his man. I don't know how he does it. Um, even did it um, at Hamden and Iron Brew Cup this season. Now, when you can throw a ball at Hamden, throw it from your box into the other half of the field and, and pick out your player, um, his distribution is fantastic. Ross Duhan will be Scotland number one. I believe that. 
I honestly um, believe that. Um, I feared for him the, the first game he played, um, he lost a goal after about a quarter of an hour, free kick against um, Morton. Yeah, it went and, under the wall, um, it wasn't. He was very unlucky. He did go under the wall and he almost saved it anyway. Now, I wasn't so much worried about it. I think, oh, well, there's time to pull back, which did, and we won the game 3 1. Yeah. My worry was about how it, how it affected him, but it didn't affect him adversely at all. Um, so he does have He's, his head screwed on. Yeah, he seems. Uh, obviously, we're not on the pitch, but he seems very mature in the way yes. a goalkeeper should be. Is it like. Because a lot of goalkeepers we've had have been slightly older. And a lot of goalkeepers in general just older than outfield players, uh, not not all the time, but like, and it, it's definitely a, a position that needs experience a lot of the time. If, if you've got something that's not right, um, he he will he will let them know. Yeah. Um, you know, it doesn't think well. You know, um, I'm just a, a youngster here. It's not my place to tell him. He will let them know. Because that was part of the kind of criticism of Jordan Hart that he was young and he needed more experience. And it was a, it was a very kind of hot topic last season. Yes. Whether we should get rid of uh, Jordan Hart or not, and well, we think well, we we don't have him now, but and we replaced him briefly with Jack Ruddy, who I thought was nowhere near as good as him. No, um, that's right. Because I see with Jordan Hart that. Um a debate started quite early in 2017-18 season about how good John Hart was, and I'm thinking, why are they having this debate? Because um, the, the Kilmarnock game at, at Somerset Park, now to throw him in a debut game like that, live on TV, derby match, big crowd, and um, especially where it was 1-0 for such a long stretch of the game, thinking you know about holding on, and he seemed uh, very mature. And I thought, well, if he can come through that, he can come through virtually anything. Now, um, went to a stage where um, it's going a phenomenal amount of goals and creating all sorts of statistics and records and so on. But um, invariably, winning games, you know, it's 6-1 um, like at Annan, not 6-0, 5-1 at Albion Rover instead of 5-0 and things like that. But, but at the same time, that um, it, it was um, a bit much, you know, to try and pick flaws in his game, you know, if you're winning games by uh, quite um, by quite quite a big um, score. Um, the... It was when points were dropped, like against. It was against. Was it against. There, there was consecutive Saturdays against four for Leonard Broth. Yeah, that was the ones and I was thinking. Of. Losing um, late goals as well, where yeah. it really came into it really came into question. But um, the, when Jack Ruddy came into the place, and we think this guy looks all the world like a goalkeeper. Um, he's in the, in the books of Wolves, major club, um, six foot five, Scotland under 21 internationally, really um, fits the bill. But um, the land bells for me went with Jack Ruddy when um, we um, lost to Rangers. Um, when Rangers scored their sixth goal, um, I was well away from the ground. You know, you couldn't watch anymore. Uh, he didn't attempt to save that. That, exactly that. Now, I hadn't seen the goal, and um, somebody told me that it said on a Rangers website that their goalie just let the sixth goal, um, or, or sorry, be careful here. Um, it looked <laughs> as if he just let in um, that sixth goal, and I went and had a look at it, and it did kind of look like that. It, he looked like when you play five aside football and you don't have a goalkeeper and you just take turns in goal, like an outfield yeah. player uh, playing in goal, and I looked at it and said, Dear, dear. I was. I mean, I was angry at the scoreline anyway, but when I when I saw that, I was like, he didn't he didn't attempt to get down to that. He, he didn't attempt. Um, I mean, it, it must be hard. Like you're you're obviously young and you're yep. a new goalkeeper and stuff like that, and you're getting absolutely hammered by Rangers. But 
you've got to try to get down to it. Yeah, I, I mean, he got criticised again for a goal that he conceded away to East Fife, which I thought was harsh. It looked really, really bad. Um, but it was um, quite close looked to him. at it, there was, a, there was a, a bobble. Yeah, um, kinda... <laughs> I, I Actually, bad though it looked, I would have excused him um, for, for that. But nonetheless, that was, that was the end for him. There was a. Uh, me and Scott were talking about this. I don't know if it was. We recorded it or not. But uh, he. He had said, Jack Ruddy had said to an Arbroath player or something, have you any clue what I'm on a week? I, I've, I'd heard that was said at, at the time. Um, I think that may have been at the game where um, the, the game played in, in, in a big storm, you know, that... Um, um, and because Jack Ruddy actually said that night, he said, "Oh, that, you know, something along the lines of, um, you know, that, that there's no enjoyment in playing, which, which I get, you know, playing in a gale at 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 But um, there's been one or two things. I mean, I'm not on Twitter, I'm on Facebook, but there's one or two things said uh, about um, Jack Ruddy around about that time, and and his brother was coming to his defence and said, "No, it's not like that. This is here is the real situation." Right. Um, so um, I don't know whether or not that had that. True, you'd like to think had not been said. You, you, you would like to think so. <laughs> it, it was like see, um, similar to that. I remember talking to Dougie Mitchell many years ago, and um, it was talking about the day when the, the ground record was broken at Somerset Park, and um, the final whistle blew and they were coming off, and he said that um, Dougie Mitchell said that Jim Baxter said to him, "Your bonus will be a fish supper." You know, so again, there was that kind of yeah. um, arrogance about you know we are well paid and that's it. But um, I've uh, met Dougie Mitchell. I worked with Dougie Mitchell's grandson. He was saying he's uh, his uh, grandfather played fair. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Who who was it? He got signed to Leeds. Did he go to Air Leeds? Uh, yeah. Um, he, he played for Dougie Mitchell. Um, Dougie Mitchell originally played for the 8th Air Boys Brigade at same church at, uh, at the time when I was at the 8th Air Boys Brigade actually and, uh, um, and then he played for Air Albion um, now back then if you played for Air Albion you were a good player because nowadays there's a, a, a plethora of um, boys clubs and youth teams etc but, but there weren't then um, Air Albion I'm not even sure if Air Boswell had even been uh, founded by then so to get a game um, at youth level you had to be good and he went, he went to Leeds um, down at Leeds, um, Dougie Mitchell became homesick and um, he came back from Leeds United, signed for Cross Hill Thistle. Um, and then he started training with um, Air United um, um, in 1966. Um, I, did, I did speak to him, it was a wee while ago, and I was like, oh, for Air United, he was... <laughs> yes, I, he was a very, very, very um, good, good, good player. Um, there was a story at the time that um, he was going to get night train facilities at Somerset Park because of the length of his hair. Um, it finished up that um, he continued the club, signed for Air United, and um, whereas he was a half-back, effectively midfielder in, in, in the common game, in the, in the modern game, rather. Um, but uh, I remember in the early days, playing him as a striker, and remember this um, headline, Beetle Boy Leads Air Attack. <laughs> <laughs> but but <laughs> accompanied with a photograph, and his hair wasn't on, on at all. No. But with the standards of 1966, um, it was. Very good player, Dougie Mitchell. Another question, Craig Murdoch asks, how many times have Auchinleck Talbot beat Air United? Um, none. Um, United's record um, against Auckland Talbot is played none, won none, drawn none, lost none, there have been no games. Um, although I do remember United sending a scratch team to Beachwood Park um, for the, to play in the 
um, Auckland Talbot Building Fund, and and that's all. Um, that's, but, yeah, because when I looked quite a few of these questions up, and I looked up that one, and I couldn't find any head-to-head statistic. Was there not a pre-season game at Somerset at one point as well? Um, n- not against Auckland Lake. No. Uh, unless it's been behind closed doors, it may have been. But um, certainly in terms of, of games that are open to the public, no. no. Craig, I'm pretty sure, had Auckland Lake Talbot. Uh, their badges, his picture, so he might be kind of torn in this oh, one. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, he's just an Auckland Lake Talbot fan. But um, United did help out. We sent a team up there to uh, a scratch team to play the... Um, to, put money into the coffers for a building fund but uh, that, that's that been the extent of it uh, I'm really looking forward to that one <laughs> like well you know um, I, I kind of feel that um, junior clubs have got got, got their own um, Scottish Cup and um, there's an argument that um, the cream of the juniors you know for years you know when the United have been toiling about people say Aye, the, the, the cream of the juniors are better than the United and they think well the game beat away um, puts that argument to the test. Now, A United um, answered that argument on the day, and now you've got to answer it again. Yeah. But um, beef did good. Beef did good. I think, yeah, to, you know, to to hold out for up to um, sixty-four minutes. But um, certainly, the, um, I think the Auckland uh, um, Town. But um, you cannot be complacent. There's no room for complacency at, at, at all. I felt there was no room for complacency at Beef. Um, you know, he, he played his um, strongest team that there was no lethargy and I, I feel that the match will, will be approached in the right way Stephen Grinley as well Stephen Grinley and go. Oh, I, I, d- I didn't know that barely recognised him actually no. barely recognised him well he had hair when he played for us um, <laughs> when they, uh, you know, because he, he put on a, a fair amount of weight but um, still you know, great he uh, was very good in the day yeah. <laughs> I must say so yeah. well, he um, talking about the Two-two draw at Somerset uh, against Kelly. Save the penalty. Uh, yes. Save the penalty against yes. Um, and that had been curtains because um, that had put command at three-one up at that stage. Our there's something. Our record. When did Kelly last win at Somerset? 1992. Um, no. Um, ni- 1993. Three. Yeah. Yeah. N- 1993 has um, been the the the, the last time. That's except in stuff at the Ayrshire Cup and all that. But um, yeah, yeah, 1993, and the times we played them um, since, you know, they played them in the League Cup, played them in the um, Scottish Cup. You know, there was the there was a stage where there was the um, the, the four in a row where we beat them. Um, we, there was the, the Alec Williams game 2009, where okay, we lost in the replay, admittedly, um, but it's no, that, that's right. That's that's 1993. Who was the ref? They were on off the ball this weekend. The ref for that game. For which which game is that? For the air uh, command game to each and the replay. Um, no, I, I I can't even recall who the ref was. It's just he was saying he was like um, talking about mistakes and he was like he couldn't remember who scored first, but yeah, uh, that there was a handball and they yes. lead up to the first goal and I was like, no, a handball was the goal that was scored. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. I mean, the, you know, the thing about the hand of punting, now, in that particular game, and this relates a bit to, you know, what I was saying earlier about um, about the penalty against Hibs in the League Cup semi-final. Um, I, I was at the opposite end of the ground completely and uh, right, at, uh, right at the back. Now, when Prunty scored, you're thinking, oh, great. I, I, I was up the far end from us. We were up the... And somebody... Um, 
sent me a, a text which I, I didn't read until I got home, saying it was a handball. Was it? At the game, totally unaware. No, I didn't. And then, then, then you look at it. Of course, it was. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it was a handball. There's pictures of it. I like the pictures. But but then you know what's in your We, we went in half at, at half time, one 0 up as well. Yes. And yes. I thought, yeah, I thought we could win that game, but. Um, but again, it's the old. I mean, I don't mind. I mean, I'm not. Uh, I'm not into um, uh, hypocrisy by, by nature. But where football is concerned, it can be a bit like that. So a handball in your favour is fine. Opposition doing it, then you know, be screaming blue murder. I'm always a fan of the hand of God and, and the hand of Prunty. Yes, <laughs> I'm a fan of both of them. <laughs> Eric asks, "What's the furthest away games you've been to, competitive and friendly?" Uh, the furthest away games I've been to. Yeah, uh, the furthest away competitive, competitive away games and friendly away games. Uh, that, that I've been to or Air United have played. Uh, that you, no, Air United have played. Sorry, I read uh, that wrong. Yeah. Uh, right. Well, um, the the furthest away um, Air United have played in a competitive game um, would be one which actually was that. Uh, we'd be Birmingham City in the Texaco Cup. Now I'm thinking Birmingham um, will be further away than Leicester or Nottingham. Maybe not by much. Um, but um, so that would be Birmingham City, Texaco Cup. Um, you know, talking here about what they deem to be a competitive game must be in the furthest that United have played away from home would be at St Andrews. We bet. Nottingham Forest, did we not in that cup? Um, Nottingham Forest, um, we played Nottingham Forest in 1976. Um, we uh, lost 2-1 um, at, the, at the city ground and um, you, you think, well, we're going to turn it around at home and um, we lost 2-0 in, in, in Leg at Somerset. But, so, Certainly, the answer to the question would be the furthest way United have played would be uh, Birmingham City. But I actually remember um, that game because we went down at um, National Coaches from um, Buchanan Bus Station, stayed in the YMC or some such place overnight and came, and came back the next day. But what I remember at that game was that um, it lost 3-0, and it was 0-0 in the second leg at Somerset. But um, I remember um, a, a, the... Kenny Burns um, scored twice, and um, the uh, the other Birmingham City scorer was um, who was the um, ex um, Kilmarnock manager. Um, oh, that's annoying. The name just um, slipped my mind. Um, Jimmy Calderwood, yeah. Oh, yeah. Jimmy yeah. Calderwood, um, and um, the, I remember again. I can't imagine that long ago. Actually, <laughs> there, there was no. Um, segregation at that game. I remember standing on the, the terrace at St Andrews on that particular night, and um, you know they were talking about this um, Jimmy Calderwood, and um, talking about this um, young, this young Glasgow boy um, who um, scored. Um, the funnest way United have played um, in non-competitive matches, and I'm thinking that Nigeria will probably be further away than Newfoundland, um, so that would make it Nigeria. In the summer of 1976, United played two matches in Lagos, but they played another game inland, 400 miles inland, um, which would be that make it further away than Lagos. So I think the first way United have played um, in a friendly match would be a place called Kaduna, 400 miles inland from um, from uh, from Lagos, and a team called the Mighty Jets of Kaduna, and United lost 1-0 thanks to a dubious penalty. But the place was the the 
grass was um, ankle length. Um, there was no um, there were no shower facilities. Uh, there was no hot water. I remember Jim McSherry talking about that, and they said that um, after the game, that the locals came onto the pitch and they were trying to steal the boots off the off the United players. Um, Jim McSherry says something That's else. bad at the best. Particular trip in Nigeria. Jim McSherry commented that um, he was talking about the, the, the hotel rooms they stayed in. He said, "But to lock the doors in case painters and decorators broke in." Um, but apparently, it was, it was quite a, a squalid experience that particular tour. But um, in terms of distance, that be the funnest day United played. Uh, so that would have been a pre-season tour. It yeah. was, yes, yes, yeah. One they beat a team called Enugu Rangers. Um, apparently, quite good at the level. Beat them three 0 United beat a team called FC Stationery. It was the odd goals one 0 or two one. Then lost this final game against the mighty Jets of, of Kaduna. But there were extenuating circumstances. So bizarre. Bizarre pre-season tour, isn't it? It was a, a, a strange place um, to, to to go um, on a tour. Um, but uh, what happened too was that um, John Murphy uh, was coming home um, early, and they'd got in the airport and um, and escorted off the plane at at gunpoint because a final match had to be played in that tour, and he was escorted off the playing a, 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 a gunpoint, which was absolutely, totally um, extraordinary. Um, almost as if United were reneging on some kind of a deal by letting one player um, go back home. That's I can't remember the reason to go back home, but that was the background to it. John Murphy is Air United's record appearance maker, isn't he? He is indeed, yeah, yes. Um, record appearances for um, yeah. United, um, John Murphy. Um, he's also got the, the record for um, career span um, as well, 1963 to, uh, to 1978. Uh, 15 years, longest United career span. Um, outstanding player, of course. Just known, uh, you know, you say Spud, people know right away um, who who you're talking about. But um, uh, Spud, such a, a good, good um, player. Remember that um, the opening game of season 73, 74, uh, Ibrox and Rangers nil United nil was a very contentious match and um, very bad tempered game and. Um, I, I, after the game, um, final whistle blew and was going to move away. And this um, guy, um, kind of older guy, Ranger supporter, said to me, "Excuse me." And I thought, "Oh no, I'm going to be in trouble here." Um, and they said, "Who's who's that, that left back?" And it was, it was John Murphy. He was talking about, and they said, "Oh, he was such such, such a good player." That's good that we had him for so long, then, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's right. One club man, the only senior club he played for was um, United. Signed in some '63 from um, Darvold. Darville Juniors before that he played for Saxo and Amateurs in Kilmarnock and um, stayed in Cross House all his days as well John Murphy Have we had many one club players? Um, Alec McInespie. Um we, we've had players who um, have played for United for the, the, the bulk uh, of their career um, and then mentioned there earlier about um, Doogie Mitchell um, eventually um, went to um, Partick Thistle and he said that Partick Thistle just wasn't the same uh, not playing under um, Ali um, Stan Quinn um, alienated uh, all his days until uh, again some 1973 got released went to St Mirren there for half a season didn't settle and he used the um, it's not the same playing without um, Ali there so that albeit he had St Mirren in his CV barely there what book is it of yours? That it's a picture of you, Alan Cloud, and George Burley. 
Oh, and that, that's um, the, the, the United Managers. Yeah, yeah. that's right, United and Managers book, yes. you're holding, they can put the Air United, what, what's it, 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 it's history Air United? Yeah. Uh, yeah, a, what's the story behind that picture? Um, was that a book the, launch? What it was, it was a book launch. Yeah. Um, the official history of Air United, uh, volume two, um, at a um, bookshop called The Bookshelf in, in Newmarket Street, um, um, so we thought it'd be a good idea to give you know one of the sort of smaller bookshops a, a chance at doing this, and the proprietor was delighted and trays of wine and all this, and it was a great occasion. And um, that was the um, you know to get um, George Burley, who was then the manager, and uh, Alan McLeod, who was no longer the manager but figures so prominently in the book. You know to get them to come along was fantastic. But also, um, quite young came along. Um, Peter Price um, came along as well. So some um, shown. Quite, 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 quite an occasion. Of, um, United Greats. So I was quite glad to be rubbing shoulders with them. Frankly, yeah. did you meet uh, Alan McLeod much? Um, very occasionally, yes. Um, I've spoken to him um, at um, various Player of the Year events um, through, through the years. Um, it was always Alan McLeod, very, very easy to um, to, to speak to. Um, I was never um, in Alan McLeod's social circle, but um, times are close enough that uh, you know, a chance to get engaged in conversation uh, with him. Um, and he just um, so so good to talk to. And anything you've heard of Alan McLeod's enthusiasm, absolutely true, just bursting with enthusiasm, which again reflected on his players because mentioned earlier about Doogie Mitchell, but um, Doogie Mitchell actually told me that um, uh, when, when Ali was the manager, he said players used to turn up, United part-time, used to turn up for the evening training, used to turn up early because they were so keen to get started, and this because of the enthusiasm that Ali McLeod was instilling in them and making them believe they were great players, and of course that translated onto the Saturday performances as well. Did Ali have three spells as their manager? He, he, he did, yes, three, sp uh, th three spells. Um, the first spell... Um, cut short that um, beating uh, Rangers 3-0 um, at Somerset was the beginning of, of the end, you know, and um, in terms that, you know, you couldn't really keep him at the club any longer. And, of course, he went to um, Aberdeen and then... Uh, Won and the League Cup. He did indeed, yes. <laughs> yep. <clears throat> and, they, um, and then whenever he went to <clears throat> um, Scotland finished up, um, Argentina's another story, but um, the, the perception is that um, he, he got fired as Scotland manager and came back to here. He didn't get fired as Scotland manager, he resigned as Scotland manager. So that had been um, October 78, came back to here, first game, midweek game, home to Arbroath, um, beat them 3-0, and he was there until um, December, and he went to Motherwell, which was a big shock, because the, the revival was immediate under Ali, because they started 78-79 season slowly, just been relegated from the Premier League, and uh, things were going good under Ali, big supports to away games and going well and pi piling up the points. And then when he went to um, to Motherwell, it did come as a as a bit of a shock. Then of course that uh, next time around um, November um, 1985, um, George Colville had quit uh, in October, and then Ali's first game, November 2nd 1985, home game against Patrick Thistle. That was him back in the dugout. It was 85-86, finished up, got relegated to the third tier, 86-87. Just needed to draw with Sterling Albion in the last game to go up, lost the game. Um, then, of course, went up in spectacular circumstances in 87, 88. Yeah, three spells. But uh, Ali's three combined spells as management is, means he's got the longest managerial span of anybody at the club. Does he hold the longest single managerial span? 
Um, yes, he does. he does. Yeah, because um, his uh, his original one, um, and that would be um, about May um, '66 until um, '75 um, until um, October. Um, no, November '75. Um, so yes, that is the longest single span. Yes, dedicated to United. I just, um, there was a story actually. I think my dad told me we were in the boathouse before the League Cup final and Alan McLeod walked into the boathouse. Aye, yeah. So that was the closest I ever came to yes. meeting him. Yes. But I never actually got to meet him and obviously wouldn't have... Well, I, I wasn't that young at that point. I was eight when that happened. But I wouldn't have known the magnitude of who he was at that and, point. And he, he, he was at the game as well. Um, it, it turned up at the there because remember that um, at the game and um, is the sort of concourse area and and um, he was there with his family and people were coming up and uh, admittedly it didn't look too well um, right enough but um, people coming up and chatting to him and um, he seemed to be really really enjoying it. it seemed to be in his element. I saw an interview with his family and they said like he got applauded when he went to go. When he came into the stadium and stuff like that. That, that would be right, yes, yeah. absolutely correct, yeah, because um, they were held in very, very, very um, high um, esteem. Um, absolutely super enthusiastic, super confident, um, which, again, you know, that um, he, he made players believe that they could that they could really do it. Um, that's, I mean, it's like, I believe it's like that with Ian McCall um, just now, because Ian McCall is making players believe um, in, in their abilities, and that's translating into the performances on a Saturday. Now, it's more subdued than um, Alan McLeod in, in post-match interviews. Um, I just wonder what Alan McLeod would be like with the current United team and with um, Lauren Shanklin playing <laughs> for him. He'd be shouting it from the rooftops. Yeah. Do you think Ian McCall compares to Alan McLeod? Um, yes, I, I do. Yes, um, it, it, it's a bit to, to, to go um, in terms um, of uh, of, uh, of achievement. But yes, um, I, I, the second best, uh, second most successful United manager um, behind Alan McLeod uh, was, you know, again in terms of achievement, was um, Gordon Dale. Um, but um, the way it's going now is that um, that it, it, it could become Ian McCall. See, uh, Gordon Dale did some great things with the club, but I never really hear him spoke in such high regard as... Um, I, I don't know why it was with um, Gordon Dale, because the, Gordon Dale um, finished, um, got to the club season 2000-2001, finished second, in the second tier. Livingston um, won it, right? And there was only one up, which was Livingston. Yeah. Who at that time, we now know, were spending money they didn't have, mm. and they won the lead by, by, by seven points. And the season before, um, the, the top two had gone up uh, automatically. Now, there were concerns about um, Somerset Park, you know, about um, the not fit for the um, Premier League, uh, so, so on and so forth. But nevertheless, that Gondale got United to, to a place which in other seasons would have got the club back in, in into the Premier League. Um, again, his cup runs and getting the club to um, the first ever final. But... Um, <clears throat> there's, there's this perception um, about um, Gordon Dale's um, character and people uh, uh, seem to, sometimes there's almost a, a dislike and which I don't get because um, 
I've met Gordon Dell a few times and he could not be nicer, could not be more decent. I've never met him. Um, but um, again, you know, people say, well, you know, he had money to spend. Well, that, that, that was true. But uh, again, um, clubs round about that, um, you know, when United were signing players like um, Grady and and and, and you know, to sign the, the, the two of them, and uh, most clubs, you know, were uh, just bidding to, 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 to get one of them. Um, Gondiel was very good at selling the, the club to them, selling to them the benefits of coming to um, Air United. Um, so it, you know, it was very good that way. So albeit that the club was spending a, a certain amount of money, um, it wasn't just a, a straightforward case of you know, being able to go out and sign any players the club wanted because the players that the club were um, targeting were um, being uh, their suitors with uh, other clubs. How do you think our budget that season compared to Livingston? Um, I think the the, the Livingston uh, budget was extraordinary because Livingston have gone through two um, administrations, and um, the second time it happened, they get um, relegated to the third. And the, the, their shirt sponsor one. was Intelligent Finance. Now, when a club hits their second administration, and the name in their shirt is Intelligent Finance, <laughs> it doesn't sound like very no. intelligent finance at all. But I, I feel that um, if they'd been playing by 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 the rules. Um, you know, if they'd been living uh, within their means, spend money they actually had, then I feel that the season 2000-2001, United would have won would have won that league. Do you think they're doing something similar now? Um, that that it can only be guessed that, but it's, I find it's a bit worrying that um, the Livingston St Mirren crowd on Saturday was just uh, 1,700. I, I looked at that and I was, uh, that's bad crowds for top yes. league. Because um, St Mirren are apt to be quite well supported uh, uh, away from home, so you wonder how many of those were, were, were home fans. I'm guessing there was more St Mirren fans. From what, from what I've seen of St Mirren fans, I, th I think there probably have been more St Mirren Yeah, fans. so, I mean, it, you think it would need to be a point of worry that, uh, that currently, right now as we speak, that uh, Livingston are sitting at sixth in, in the Premier League and, and the last home gate was 1,700. Yeah, Air wouldn't have them kind of numbers. Air would have. I think the, the, their fans are um, itching uh, to, to, to come back, you know. But some clubs, no matter what they do, they're not going to get the support. Air will get the support. Um, the point drove it home for me was that that day at uh, Brecon, um, the winning that playoff final at Brecon, air support was huge. Was right. Was it true that the support we took to that game was bigger than the population of Brecon? Um. Because we would have took about a thousand and a half, two thousand. The population uh, of Brecon would be. Um, now, this is only um, guesswork because I don't know the population of Brecon, but I would guess the population of Brecon to be something maybe about three thousand. I can look it up. <laughs> um, because I'm thinking that um, the population of Brecon would be roughly about the same as the population of Maybole. No, I don't profess to know the population of Maybole either, but I guess it probably been the reason about 3,000. That, that was a great game. That was... His name's dropped out of my head. Who was the air goalkeeper? Uh, Craig Nelson. Uh, Craig Nelson, yes. Craig Nelson. Uh, it was, like, amazing that day. Yes. And I didn't think we were going to get promoted because of him. Yeah, I mean, when, it's, uh, when you're a goal down um, and it's such an advanced... Stage stage of the game, um, and, you know, it's place just um, and then Mark Roberts scored, place went nuts and um, 
Michael Moffat. Um, Mark Robertson um, came out and said, and, and I, I do believe him because he's totally honest guy, he came out and said that um, it's that, that day at Brecon uh, was the biggest highlight of his football career. Did he say that? He, he, he did say that. Now, when you think that um, he played in some decent command teams, and for him to come out and say that, and it, it has, you have to believe him because when you look at David Sargent's pictures, he says, broad, big, broad, smileless face. Loved it. But um, it was a day which um, showed the kind of drawn power of um, Air United. It was the same at Alloa uh, last season on the day when we thought we'd won the league. Um, now, their support was something like just between um, 11 and 1,200. Now, we consider it was live on TV and we couldn't even win anything on that, on that particular day. It was a huge support. I mean, I, it's fine to look back on it now, but I felt really rotten that day. <laughs> well, I mean, th that day, it was a long way back from Alloa, literally and metaphorically. It was, seemed a long way back from there. Yeah. So the population of Brecon is around about uh, 7,000, so... Oh, 7,000? Uh, so it's wrong. Here's me sitting there, yeah, let's see, good job, not mastermind. Population of Brecon's 3,000. That's actually one of the, the questions I've got. Um, it doesn't seem like 7,000, though, because no. it just seems like a village. Uh, the, well, their, their stadium, I was looking there, uh, Glebe Park, is 4,000, so that's quite a chunk of the population you'd be looking to get at Yes. Yeah. Uh, have you ever thought about going on Mastermind? Um, I, I wouldn't be able to because if I went on Mastermind, um, the only way I could get through Mastermind would be answering questions on Air United. And I don't think they'd let me do it. I'd, I'd love to do it. But um, when they source the questions, um, the source of the questions would be myself. <laughs> you know, it would just it all, it would, um, all source back, back to myself. Um, uh, otherwise, yeah, you know, that um, sitting there in a the chair in Mastermind, you know, history of Air United, bring it on if I was allowed to do it. But no, I've never thought about it until now I think <laughs> it's just a question I want to ask because I was like because you do you get specific subjects that you get to ask so <laughs> I think it would be and, really some of the interest. some of the, um, the topics and uh, mastermind they seem to get narrower and narrower and narrower subjects mm -hmm. so no I think a fair shout yeah. history of the United yeah. Football Club yeah. do it <laughs> apply for it Terry Timsky asks do the names Stuart Miller and Neil Watt have any connections to the club? I know Neil Watt was the air manager, wasn't he? Yes, he was. Briefly. Yeah. Stuart Miller. Was his um, assistant at that time. It's quite interesting about, about Neil Watt that... Um, uh, <laughs> Neil, Neil Watt, the, the, the only United manager um, born in Germany. He didn't have any German traits, but he was, he was born in Germany. But Neil Watt became manager. He was manager, it must have been March... Um, 2007 to October um, 2007. Now, the time United got Neil Watt, it was deemed to be a bit of a scoop. They already turned down, he could have gone to Premier League with, with, with Dundee, turned down uh, full-time jobs. Um, I, I don't think full-time football um, suited him. He, you know, his job was a, a property factor, but um, after Neil Watt was appointed manager for United, he had a, a meet, meet the fan session, and, um, and he said that, um, albeit they're still going to continue working, that um, he was virtually his own boss and he, he could come down from Glasgow to Somerset Park virtually at will, you know, whenever um, called upon. But remember that then for um, Neil Watt and Stuart Miller was um, Ross County at Somerset Park and um, we um, lost the game 4-1 uh, and um, all four goals conceded in the, in the first half and um, the, the fans weren't happy. Um, it's only a United game, I'm a, in fact, probably the only A-night game ever where um, a goalkeeper has been substituted for a reason uh, other than injury. Uh, Barry John Corr, 
uh, was substituted by, by Mark McGowan at half time and it was purely uh, on form. Now, that was on the Saturday. Fans very, very um, unhappy. And um, Neil Watt and um, um, Stuart Miller, they um, quit on the Monday. Really? Yes. Well, that was, yeah. How long were they in? Um, so that would be um, March to um, October 2007. Yeah. So, aye, it's, it's, um, there was a reason why he was asking months. that question. I forgot to write it down. Which I'm sorry. Uh, there is what's the guy's name? Uh, right, Stephen Brown said your son taught it was his computer and teacher at Cumnock Academy in the late nineties. No, it's not. And, and uh, it wasn't. Is your son David? <laughs> he is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Because yeah. David replied, I, "I was a school pupil in the late nineties." That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Absolutely right. What um, he was because right. uh, talking about the late nineties, I'm going to give away David's age, but um, oh. he, he was born in 1987. Um, so, so um, he definitely wasn't. <laughs> no, yeah. So even in eighteen ninety nine, twelve. No. David replied on it. Terry also asked what, a simple question, Duncan. Why are you so bloody good? That, that it, what the the team? Yeah. The, no. Uh, why are you so bloody good? No. Why? We, oh, yeah. Why are we so bloody good? Um. Oh, I want to well, ask you why are you so bloody good. <laughs> I'll be stuck for an answer for that, but, yeah. but see, see, in, term, in terms of the team, yeah, um, the, the, playing football the, the way it should be played, and Ian McCall knows the strengths of his players, and he gets players playing um, to, to, to their strengths. Now, I've stood at games, I suppose, as we all have, and you know, you look at the team selection, you think, what on earth? You look at the substitutions, you think, what on earth are they doing? But um, but he always gets it right, or almost always gets it right. I mean, I, I would definitely, um, I, I trust Ian McCall's judgment way ahead of my own judgment, you know, because this this knack uh, of getting it right, he just he um, he knows who should be playing where, he knows their strengths, he knows how to get them playing to their capability. And the football is just good to watch. I mean, it's not just winning matches, but winning matches and the style that they're doing it in as well. It's this cavalier approach, and it's good to watch. And at the same time, um, I remember um, Alan McLeod saying that he had no interest in, um, in in defensive records, for example, just interest in attack records, scoring records, and so on. And but um, but you've got to say United right now are pretty solid at the back. Now. That's, Players, which you know, to, to bring in Liam Smith, Daniel Harvey, Duhan, you know, to the club, and um, you know, and you've got central defenders playing the way that they they should be. That um, Michael Rose having a, having a great season, and um, it, it's it's just great great to watch. I mean, sometimes it's like a bit of a fantasy because when you look at it, this then D United nil, A United five. It just seems like complete fantasy. Then. You look at the game and it's the, the, the whole football is like a fantasy. The way it's been played, it's been played with um, swagger, um, and it's just, it's just so good. It's a, it's a hard question to answer, answer. Why we're so good right now? Why you're so good? Because it's even the difference since last season. Yeah, but I thought see see the changes they made at the time. Like I, I was sad to see Paddy Boyle go and. Uh, who else went? Uh, Craig Reed get released. Yes. Yeah, Craig, Craig, Craig Reed was decent, and Paddy Boyle just unlucky with uh, injury. Um, 
it was a shame because that, that day early near the end of the season turned out to be his last game yeah uh, which was which was a bad injury as well it was and good no. good um, honest pro and then, um, Craig Reid gone and um, Jordan Hart gone as well um, and, and then you know I think there was this feeling that um, he's, he's not doing enough to to build a, a decent squad because it's a step up in class it doesn't seem like it though it does, honestly doesn't seem like a step up in class I mean I, I, I am probably more um, confident of um, beating Ross County on Saturday than I would have been uh, beating Queen's Park at Somerset last December my biggest concern with Air United last season was yeah our defence isn't fantastic our goalkeeper could be a bit shaky at points now it's not the case no I, I was like going forward and Ian McCall knew that I was like going forward we didn't need to change anything Air didn't need to change and we didn't that's really. right yes a- Andy Murdoch is the only player further up really that we've signed isn't he and, and, and why is it that um Morton fans are now bemoaning the loss of Andy Murdoch because the way he's playing at air. Uh, now I don't know how he, uh, how good his form was with um, Morton last season, but just Ian McCall's knack not only identifying correct players, but getting them to play the, the way that they should be playing and enjoying their football as well. Because get back to the old issue, Davis Sargent's pictures. If you look at them, players they are playing with a smile on their face. Look at Lauren Shanklin's smile. When okay, he scores big grin, but he's got an even bigger grin if Michael Moffat or somebody else scores, you know. And there's such an uh, unselfish team as well. Even when United Media um, interviewed Ross Duhan after a 3 0 win at Dens Park in the League Cup this season and asked him about his shutouts and how well he'd been playing, and he deflected attention straight away and said, No, it's a team game, you know, it's the guys I've got in front of me and so on. Just a complete unselfishness. And then Craig Moore came out and said, Look, I'm really happy to, uh, I want to do the best I can for this club, you know, whether I'm in the team or whether I'm a sub or whatever. So, what very unselfishly saying, happy to contribute whatever role happens to be. Yeah. Totally unselfish, you know, which is fantastic. It just permeates throughout the squad. Things just feel too good right now for you. Well, that, that, again, that's, that's what scares me about uh, it. Well, I, I think it, it, I, I wouldn't be um, too scared about it. Tell you why, because it started off um, this summer. You know, it's July, season starts, League Cup, and um, doing well. It continues on into August and doing well, and people say, "Oh well, the bubble's going to burst." Then it gets into September, doing well. And say, "Oh well, it's in early days." Then it runs on into to October, and say, "Oh well, you know, pessimism. See how long this is going to last." It runs on into November. Then now run on in, into December, and, and, we're, and we're top of the league. So see this um, expectancy, um, not from me, but um, from people that this bubble um, is, is, is going to burst, even if it bursts, it won't, I don't think it bursts very much um, but um, so you know, for the argument to, to run on you know, that, that when it runs on from July and we're now into, into December and um, you know, we're going to this Saturday's game with the prospect of taking a handsome lead at, at the top of the championship, you know um, I don't see any sign of the bubble bursting. I'm not saying that through um, arrogance. It just um, the signs are there. The way they've been playing.
There's a couple of things I want to cover. I want to go into the game at the weekend, but I also want to talk your kind of knowledge if you were at the game. Do you remember when Airdrie pulled in the goalposts? Yes, yes. Were you at that game? Yeah, I was indeed. Yeah. And fact, the, the Airdrie manager was Ian McCall. It was, yeah, he was. That was... Remember, Stuart Keane scored something like t- 21 minutes, was it? And um, the... The, the game, uh, the fans went, went on the pitch and you think, well, it's going to take a, a while to, to, to clear. And, of course, it didn't happen. And um, then, you know, they're, they're swinging from the bar and, of course, the bar um, snapped in the middle. Um, could, couldn't be repaired. And, and and that was it. So the game had to be abandoned. But um, it's um, of the various United abandonments during the years, that's the only one where abandonment, where the game has not been replayed. Because the the Airdrie players were out, out of contract after that game, so it could not be replayed. And um, I felt um, I felt sorry for uh, for Ian McCall as well because Ian McCall in the post match interview um, cut a very desolate figure because um, he'd actually got Airdrie to a good position in that in that league, like second tier of the um, Scottish game, quite a challenging position, and everything just stacked against them. Yeah. I, I didn't know until I looked more into it that Ian McCall was the manager at that point. But, I mean, it, it, it was extraordinary as well because uh, um, after that game, I remember, um, remember going to the town and, of course, going to the town we the United Scarves and people saying, oh, what's happened? They realised something happened because people walking about the town tops, the United Scarves and all this, walking about the high street and think, you know, at, at, at that particular time, they realised something had happened, well, the game's been abandoned. Mm-hmm. Never to be replayed. No, it yeah. was never replayed, was it? What's your thoughts on the game at the weekend then? Uh, I think we'll win. I think we'll win. Um, I don't like the blind assumption that um, Ross County are going to win uh, win this league. Um, that um, and, and again, I think it's just simply based on the fact Ross County were in the, uh, last season's Premier League. But um, this blind assumption that uh, yeah, Ross County will um, win, <coughs> will win this league. Um, <coughs> I think you know, Ross County's form as well. Um, it, it's they lost at home to the United. Okay, they hammered the United five one at Tannadice. Um They showed signs of weakness against Queen of the South on, on Saturday past. Um, just um, getting a draw, but um, I, I, I'm confident. I'm just confident that um, Ian McCall just had the right attitude instilled in the players, and I think the fans will be right behind the team from the start. To me, it's reminiscent about when. Um, Wraith Rovers came to air in, in March and were on their coattails and United had hunger for the game right from the whistle blew to start the game. There was a hunger right from the start. like They were trying to kill the game off in the first five minutes and uh, I think that we're going to see the same hunger and determination this Saturday against Ross County. I think there's more to football than hunger and determination. Um, you know, you've got to have the game plan and the skill to, to, to be able to, to carry it out but it still counts for something. To finish then... Where can we get your books? Where's the preferable place to...? Um, the, the only places for the current ones are the uh, the, the Nine Titles one um, is uh, either the club shop or, or Waterstones. Um, but um, outside of the club shop, Waterstones is the only bookshop um, who um, stock it. And the previous ones, the previous one, United Manager, is the same. Um, club shop and, and Waterstones. 
And um, the one part of that, United on this day, is Waterstones only. United at War, it would be Waterstones only as well, as well as Amazon, you can purchase online. Yeah. So. Thank you very much, uh, Duncan, for talking to us. Yeah, pleasure. Anytime. No, listen, anytime you want to talk about United, uh, please, please, please let me know. A big thank you again to Duncan for being our guest on today's episode. Sorry for this episode being a wee bit late. I get caught up doing some uni work. Again, a big thank you to the ship in for letting us record in the bar. And a big thank you to somersetroadin.com for helping get the podcast out there. They've set up some new forum pages so you can discuss the podcast and check it out at somersetroadin.com forward slash forums. I'm happy to announce that our next guest will be Jamie Garrett of the Air United 500 Fund and the AU Travel Club. Until next time, honest men and bonny lasses, I'll see you later.